Welcome to The Pursuit of Life, where we share inspirational and action-focused stories to help you live a life of adventure. Proudly presented by Knightswood House. Now, please welcome your host, David Hazelwood. So I'm delighted to welcome Anna Edwards onto the show today. So Anna is the founder of communityhoster.com and she's an incredible runner in her own right. So welcome to the show, Anna. Thank you, David. Thanks for having me. That's all right. Now, I'm going to take you back to many, many years ago because one of the questions that I like to ask all the guests on our show is, what did you want to be when you grew up? <laughs> well, I think that ranged between the time of the week you would ask me as a child. I think that would have the answer would have been different every week. I remember when I was really, really young, I wanted to be a political journalist for some reason around maybe the age of eight or nine. No idea how I got to that or obviously didn't even know what that meant. Luckily, I decided against that. At some point, I also wanted to be a fashion designer. I remember watching FTV in those days obsessively and um, wanted to be a runner as well, like a professional runner, which didn't turn out that way, but still love running. Oh, now... How did you come up with the idea of a political journalist? Did you know someone? Did you, you know, you sat there and watched uh, politics on the TV? I have absolutely no idea. Fair to say nobody in my family is involved in politics. I don't know any politicians. I have no idea what that was about. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly a... Um... I don't think I've ever come across anyone who had that, uh, had that in their mind, of, certainly at that age and ever since mostly, but... Um, yeah, well. It could have been to writing, sorry, because I love writing. I've, I entered a few competitions um, you know, as a young, competitions as a youngster with poetry. I still write by hand in all my journals. So I'm very, very fond of writing and literature. So it, it could have been related to that. Quite possibly given, uh, you know, I think a lot of stuff that comes out of politicians' mouth is certainly fantasy, if not uh, fiction. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, now, tell us, though, what... Uh, What's your day job these days? What uh, What is it that you currently do? I am a contractor. I work for a defence um, contracting company, Lockheed Martin, here in Adelaide. So I'm working on um, some defence contracts, which are really, really exciting for, for Australia's defence future, but which I can unfortunately not say too much about. Well, it's one of those jobs where uh, I could tell you, but I'd have to kill you sort of thing, or...? Uh... Uh, not quite at that level, but uh, it's all like publicly available information. But just to be double sure, if it's on my LinkedIn profile, people can know about it. If it's not, then I don't open my mouth about it. Yeah, wow. Okay, that must be really interesting then. It is. It's very, very challenging. Long hours, really, really hard. But especially as a first generation migrant, I've only been here for two and a half years. To be part of something this great for Australia and defence and, you know, First of its kind in the world, what we're doing it is an absolute privilege. Very exciting. Has its challenges every minute of the day, but yeah, I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah, well. What do you enjoy most about it? Learning new things, definitely. And I know that that is a broad um, answer people give probably in every job interview and every question they ask, but having never worked with the Australian Defence Force before, and I've actually never worked with Defence in South Africa, so uh, where I'm from, so it's really, really interesting to learn how things work and just to understand how what you do on a daily basis, every minute that you dedicate of your day will affect the future of defence in Australia and around the world. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Broad shoulders then. 
Yes. <laughs> I run a lot. <laughs> <laughs> is that to clear your head as much as anything? Or, uh... yeah. yeah. Mostly I run away, but then I feel bad, so I turn around and I come back. <laughs> Now, you said you've been in Australia for, for two and a half years. Now, that's obviously a big step to pack up and leave the country that you were born on. What was the primary motivation behind that? Um, it's a mix. So you're right in saying it is, it is a big move, but definitely I underestimated the move. To date, I've lived, this is my fifth country that I've uh, lived and worked in. I've lived, obviously, in South Africa, where I'm from, England, New Zealand, Mauritius, and now Australia. But Australia was the first permanent migration move. There were a lot of push factors, unfortunately, out of South Africa. It's all in the news, crime and those things, the economic climate, politics. And there are a lot of pull factors towards Australia as well, an excellent education system, really good job opportunities, and um, a very calm society, very accepting, very friendly, very generous. And we've been accepted with open arms into the society in Sydney, where we've lived until about two months ago, after which we've moved to Adelaide. So Australia has been very kind to us. Yeah, wow. Well, so you and your husband came out here together? Or? Yes, yes. We moved over in October 2016. Yeah, wow. And how are you finding Adelaide now? Oh, it's beautiful. It's an amazing place. What makes the biggest difference in my life is I used to commute from Sydney every week to Adelaide for my job, for my day job, which made it really hard. There was you know, a flight out on a Sunday night or getting up at like 3.30 or 4 a.m. on a Monday juggling all of that with running and so on. So now I live about 13 minutes away from work. That is... Oh, wow. Yeah. And it's it's like Adelaide, everyone who lives here says it as well. It's a big country town. And we found settling in, especially with a running group, much easier here than Sydney. Oh, wow. And so what's the uh, the running community like in Adelaide? Oh, absolutely phenomenal. Must say, it's fair to say, this is actually probably the best community I've ever found in all my travels everywhere I've run in the world, everywhere I've travelled, just in general, the people in Adelaide, are just, I just find them really so different. People still take the time to talk to each other. Yet, right? People take the time to help. When you go to restaurants, I actively observe this when, we, when we're in restaurants. We're out. Fewer people sit on their phones. It's like people actually talk to each other here like a bunch of psychos. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yes. And um, I met a lady, uh, Lynn Chan, who's absolutely phenomenal, at um, the Green Belt Challenge last year, which uh, was a race that I ran when I had to work over the weekend. We actually connected on Strava, and she invited me to come run with them. And at that point, I was still living in Sydney, so I never could. But I let her know, you know, we're moving to Adelaide. And their running group absolutely absorbed us into their group, my husband and I. And we were, I was actually moved. The first time I met them was at the Mawson Lakes Park Run. So they called themselves the Mawson Lakes Monday Running Crew. The most beautiful group of people I've probably ever met in my life. They were so accepting, completely open to us joining their community immediately. We did the park run together, went for breakfast, had coffee, got invited on a weekend away, and it's that is something I haven't found in my life anywhere before, people just being so, so open. And that's what I love about the running community, actually, is you immediately have something in common with someone that runs, yes. no matter if you do you know, a park run, or if you do a 160-kilometer run. And they're, uh, as you say, they're certainly different people as well and you know, having that commonality, but also that, uh, I think, that way of thinking and way of approaching life, it, uh, it certainly unites, you know, it makes it very easy to connect with other runners, doesn't it? 
Oh, absolutely. Because we all face the same issues. We all, you know, you think you're fit, then you have an absolute horrible race. We get injured. And it doesn't matter if you get injured training for a five or get injured training for, you know, a 200-kilometer run. If you're injured, you're injured. Yep. It affects us all the same because everybody has their comrades marathon. If it's a 5K or 100K, to every person, that is the biggest race they'll ever do. Speaking of comrades, I know you ran that a few years ago, and I think you've said that's that's probably the highlight as far as your running goes. Am I right in saying? Yes, to date that has been the highlight. And um, it took me four years to make it to the start of that race. That is undoubtedly one of the best experiences in my life, having failed over and over. And reflecting back on that, I can see how that prepared me for so many things in life, not just running related, you know, it developed incredible grit and what made it the most special thing of my life was that I actually trained for that race over the four years and ran the race with my mom. She did her 12th or 13th Comets Marathon in 2015 and I did my first one with her and that will always be the best memory that I have of my mom. Wow and for those people who aren't familiar with uh, the Comrades Marathon do you want to just explain um, what it is because it's a very special race isn't it? Yes it is very special. Now, the Commons Marathon is a ultra marathon in South Africa. It is about 80, between 87 and 90 kilometers long, long, depending on the route every year. It was, um, and I could be corrected on the history, I haven't read the history in a few years, but um, it was started after the war, actually, to commemorate some of the soldiers that had died. Every year it alternates between starting at Durban in South Africa, finishing in Peter Maritzburg, and then the next year they call it the down run, which is from Peter Maritzburg to Durban. And this is the absolute highlight of the South African running calendar. All the marathons, all the other ultras are all scheduled around preparation for the Commerce Marathon. And on race day, there are over half a million people who sacrifice their whole day. You've got a 12 hours to complete it sacrifice their whole day to support us next to the road, give you food, give you water, encouragement. It is the absolute spirit of the human, you know, the spirit of humans, of mankind, and how people can stick together and how sport can bring a country that is still very much broken in many ways together. Because if you line up at that start line, you know, there's no, there's no black, there's no white, there's nothing. There's just 23,000 people who want to make it to the finish line alive. That's it. That's the ultimate equalizer. I mean, that's an incredible number for you know, 23,000 lining up for a, um, a 90K race. That's just incredible. I can't think of any other race where you'd have anything like that, not over that distance. Yeah, it, it takes quite a while to start there, but it's very, very well organized. I think that's like 23,000 entries. The last one I checked, and then obviously well, fewer people make it to the start line, and they have uh, cut off points along the route as well during the day. But safe to say, I think the last starting block it takes about eight or ten minutes to reach the start line. A mistake a lot of people make, which is heartbreaking, is that it's actually gun to gun. So your time starts when the gun goes off. If you are in the last block and you make it. Over the start line, 10 minutes, you have 10 minutes less on your 12 hours. Oh, wow. So if you uh, actually know a lady that did not know that, that started her watch when she actually crossed the start line and was cut off, she ran the whole 12 hours and she was unfortunate. Oh, no. It is the most heartbreaking thing you will ever witness in your life. 
on the TV broadcast when the last people come running in and, you know, the guy turns his back on them and he fires the gun and it's like, sorry, 12 hours and one second, then you didn't make it. Oh, I've heard about him too. Yeah, he, he won't look at them coming down the road, will he? I know. And that if that doesn't bring a person to tears, I swear that they don't have a heart. <laughs> oh, gosh, to go all that way and to miss out by a few seconds. Oh. Yeah, the day actually just brings together such an incredible sacrifice of a whole season, you know, sacrifice on social life, sleep, on everything, because you need so much sleep, the right nutrition, so much exercise just just to reach that day and uh, it's not just the runner that really runs the comrades but the whole family or the whole support network around that person needs to be really strong and supportive yeah it's really interesting that isn't it, it you know in any of those endurance races you do need a lot of support from your family obviously to to give you the space and the freedom and you know to go and train and then to get the naps in when you're too tired on the you know after those long runs and uh <laughs> I mastered the power nap. I would literally have to go sit in the ladies because we trained so hard and trained with a group of guys that were a lot stronger than I was. So I really struggled to keep up every day. They really pushed my boundaries every single day, which made the race easy, obviously, but it was really hard. So I really had to learn learn to fall asleep on my hand while sitting on the loo quickly and have a quick, like, few seconds or few minutes power nap and then go back to my desk. Oh. <laughs> Oh, that's hilarious. What can we say? <laughs> do you wish you could do more with your money? Knightswood House is a financial advisory firm that specialises in working with successful business professionals who share a passion for endurance sports or other adventures. People often come to us for one of three reasons. One, they aren't where they imagined they'd be financially at this point in their life. Two, they feel frustrated that they are earning good income but aren't doing more with it. And three, they are concerned that they don't have a strategy to make the lifestyle they're working so hard for feasible, both now and in the years ahead. Underlying all of these are nagging doubts about the future and a concern that they aren't maximising the opportunities created by their hard work. We have a nine-step process we take you through, which will simplify your financial affairs and take much of the hassle out of your hands, provide you with certainty that the strategy you choose to implement is right for you, and finally, get rid of those nagging doubts and give you confidence that you are on track to achieving the things that are most important to you. Ultimately, we can help you leverage your professional achievements into financial success so you can enjoy a life that is truly remarkable. For more details, head to knightswood.com.au. Okay, back to the show. But I love the way you talk about the, um, you know, the community involvement as well. And I'm, am I right in saying that that was one of the drivers for you in setting up the website and the business that you've been working on now? Yes, 100%. So uh, there are three, I think, main factors that led to that was uh, the fact that I had to give up running as a child. Um, I ran for our province or state or territory, as it's called in Australia, for five years. Did really well in cross-country and longer-distance running. But a few things went wrong. We were suddenly hit with uh, some unexpected intense adversity, and I had to give up running as a child. Uh, The second thing was the immigration to Australia. My four years before we moved were all consumed, you know, in this running group 
seeing everybody every morning. It was all about that running community. And then it was suddenly gone. Like one day my life was as I knew it, you know, arriving in Australia, which we've actually never been to before we immigrated. We've never been here before. We just <laughs> <laughs> like, how bad could it be? Um, <laughs> I'm sure Google doesn't lie. Uh, <laughs> yeah, not much. Yeah, and just that intense loneliness of immigration, of not knowing, you know, you don't even know what cheese to choose. You don't know what milk to choose. It's just this complete overwhelm and complete loneliness when, when your normal isn't normal anymore and absolutely nothing is familiar to you. It was about five or six weeks after we arrived. I really, really struggled to keep up. And I think I went into a few weeks of actual deep depression because I missed my running group so much that, like, my whole identity, everything was around that running group and my social interaction and stuff. And then I thought, what do I need to do? What is it going to take to get people, to get runners to come and visit? So I have my own kind around me. And then suddenly this idea came about. Uh, we were living in a very empty house in Colby. So my husband and I, we left everything behind. We just came with six suitcases. We didn't have any money for furniture or anything. So we were in this massive empty house. And then I sat there looking around. And immediately I felt like all my problems to life were solved right there. We had four bedrooms. I didn't have any furniture in them, but we have furniture now. Don't worry, we have a bed. Nice beds for people to sleep on. And I thought, you know, what's it going to take to get these people here? And then this idea was born. And since October 2016, I've been absolutely obsessed with creating this, what I just dubbed the free Airbnb for runners, so that people like us who love hosting people, we absolutely love having people in our house, you know, showing people around, sharing our passions with people that share the same passions. And that's how Community Hoster was born. I think if I had that help, as a child, you know, having to go compete in different cities, it would have been possible for me to keep running as a child. And who knows, maybe I could have made the Olympics or at least the national team. And secondly, just people need to run. If we can avoid reasons why people cannot attend races, you know, cannot become part of a community or cannot integrate into new society, then that is our responsibility and our privilege to do that. And that is what community hosting tends to do. So. It launched three weeks ago, the website. Still very new. It's a great passion project of mine, and I strongly believe that it is my purpose in life to bring that to people so that people can host each other around the world and just make those dream races possible. If, if it's a park run, the Mawson Lakes Park Run in Adelaide or you know the New York Marathon, we can't all change the world, but one by one we can change someone's world by just making that possible for them. Yeah, fantastic. And so, how how long have you did you say you've been working on uh, on building this? Oh, <laughs> over two years. Oh wow. Yeah, I think it's this typical straight startup story. Lost an insane amount of money. I mean, Brendan Marsman was super supportive. I started working on this. Had a domain registered, everything, even before we had furniture. We had a mattress that we carried around the house to watch TV on, you know, to sit on. But. <laughs> <laughs> They're not quite a garage, so I'm not sure it's going to be successful. No, no, yeah, I think I think you need the garage. Yes, you needed to do the garage, but we had to sleep on the same mattress at night. Yeah, well, that that probably juggled. Yeah, That's... so it's, it's been since October um, 2016. Learned a lot of lessons, built up an incredible support network in the entrepreneurs, especially the social entrepreneurship community. Learned so much, and 
I can tie this grit. And believe me, I wanted to give up on many occasions because it just gets so hard and so complicated and frustrating. But then you remember why you want to do it. And then I remember, wait, you know, I've done a comrades marathon and I still want to do a hundred miler. So if I could do that, if I could take four years to make it to the start of a race and finish that race, then I can do this. I can do anything. Yeah, it's amazing. The confidence that you take out of uh, you know some of the physical challenges that we're able to undertake and um, you know, where you kind of do something that you never thought possible. You didn't know how you were ever going to get through it, but you know, by taking the, the steps that you do through training and you know, kind of building up slowly over time. Yeah. It's a process that you can just apply to everything else in your life and you carry that confidence through as well, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. And I believe that there's a direct correlation between any endurance sport, and whatever that means for anyone, you don't have all the same abilities, but just pushing yourself, you know, to pushing your limits, seeing what you're capable of between, let's stick to endurance sport in my life, to business skills, to work skills, to being able to cope, to developing coping mechanisms, and so on. And there's actually a very, very good podcast by um, Angela Duckworth. She studied grit, and I heard her on Freakonomics Radio once. And I'll actually I'll send you the link if you want to include it in the podcast notes, which she studied. Yeah, I've read her book, which is um, her book's fantastic. She's brilliant. She is so brilliant, and that that specific one, studying grit. Yeah, no, I. Um... And I love the applications for kids and um, as well because one of the things, you know, I'm a, I'm a parent, I've got two young girls growing up before my eyes, but as they do. And it's one of those things that you look and you, you know, what you want them to get out of the education system is, you know, this confidence and, as you say, the, the grit that you can actually push through and you can do things if you, if you break it down and just work on them piece by piece and just stick at it. Yeah, just do something. Yeah. You don't even have to know what to do, but just do something and the rest will come. And unfortunately, we don't have kids, but unfortunately we live in the day and age where instant gratification is the norm. Look how long people just spend on swiping on pictures on Instagram, for instance. Just People just want more and more and better and better instantly. So nobody, I think um, people aren't conditioned anymore to really to have bread or develop bread or if I want something now, if I want food now, I go order it. If I want something tomorrow, I pay for express pricing. There's no waiting anymore for me. No, and it's um, actually this morning, well, as we're recording this this morning, I was at a, a presentation for the Run Beyond Project. Mm-hmm. I don't know whether you've heard of them, but yes. yeah, so I was able to help secure a, a grant for them, but they work with disadvantaged kids, particularly from you know, refugee backgrounds and, and other difficult backgrounds like that, one, to help them integrate into the school community, but two, to, to help them develop that grit and that cycle of goal setting and achievement that, that comes from running so that they can then go and take that and apply that to the rest of their life. And it's a, it's a fabulous program. Actually, we had Dave Crinity was interviewed on the, the podcast a little while ago. I can't remember what the episode is, but he's on there as well. And he was the guy who founded it. So you're right. It's, it's incredible what we can take out of running and, and how it can be applied in so many areas. Yeah. And everyone has a deeply personal connection to all their successes and failures, but yet it's so common to all of us in running. Yes. Very much fair, but very much personal as well. Yeah, and it's funny. You know, people tend to shy away from the failures in lots of areas in their life, don't they? Yeah. 
which fortunate enough how I was raised and thank you to my mom for this is I have no issue with saying I fail. <laughs> I, I could actually entertain you with so many failures in my life, like epics, epic, epic next level failures. <laughs> but you learn from them, nobody died, you know, some of them hurt, some of them cost a lot of money, some of them were truly embarrassing, but it is what it is. We humans, we are flawed, fundamentally flawed human beings. And if you don't fail, you're not going to learn, you're not going to grow, you're not going to progress in life. Well, and if you're not failing, you're not trying hard enough, really. Exactly. You can't live life in a safety zone. No, no. You've mentioned your very supportive husband several times so far. What is his name, by the way? Brendan. Brendan. Shout out to you, Brendan. But, uh, <laughs> One question for you, because you know, you've, you've said that you've um, obviously poured a lot of time and money into you know, building the website and the, the business and obviously in the running and, and kind of chasing these passions of yours as well. And I suppose one question that um, you know, I often talk to, to couples about and it's something that I grapple with as well is you know, how do you juggle things to, to keep your partner on side and make sure you know, spending on you know, your passions is kind of fair in the overall relationship and the overall scheme of things. Yeah, that, that is very, very hard. I think we need Dr. Phil for this one. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Phil and Oprah. But, yeah, just aside, it is really hard. Um, from a financial perspective, it's not really, really a big issue. Yeah. So, you know, we both have very healthy incomes. Uh, we have no debt. So if, from the financial side, that, that's not the big worry. He is my sounding board, my voice of reason, because sometimes I have really, really good ideas and sometimes I just wonder how I make it through a day unsupervised with the stuff that I think of. Um, <laughs> is, yeah, it's my voice of reason, you know, keeps me humble, keeps me grounded. But the hard part is really having different needs in terms of spending time together and those kind of things, the harder things. So I, I realise in a lot of relationships, money is an issue in ours, it's not at all. Uh, we live well below our means and spend very responsibly. But um, it's the other things with, you know, having a full-time job, traveling for work, having all these passions. Luckily, he's wanting to his sport as well. He's running in triathlons, so he understands that. Yeah, but it's really hard. It's something we fail on focusing on a lot, which we've realized in the last year, which it's been a tough year for us, I'm not going to lie, with, um, you know, the business and He's doing so well in his job as well. And all our personal interests, community hoster, get to the start, his triathlon training, his traveling for work, us living in a new country and our second city in a new country, it all adds up. I think it's being aware of those things and being aware of how both of us are contributing to that and to find solutions. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, the whether it's time, whether it's money, whether it's interests or whatever, yeah, the you know, there's only um, so much of it to go around and sometimes just being conscious of it and having that give and take between the two of you is just so important, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And it's, it's also being able to take the feedback. Yes, and to be able to deliver it as well. Yes, yes. You know, to be able to call out when you're not happy with something and you know, something doesn't seem fair to actually, rather than sitting there and uh, and being unhappy about it, to actually be strong enough to say, you know, this is something that, that I think we need to address because otherwise it'll just fester and you know, resentment builds up over time and that's certainly not a good long-term outlook either. Oh, absolutely. And I think that goes across all relationships. 
you know, any work relationships, any human relationships. And that, that is an interesting cultural observation I've made so far. Being in Australia, I think um, people find South Africans very direct, very forward. But our culture, we say when we're not happy about something, we don't. We're not a sort of a passive-aggressive culture, keep things in to fester. Uh, in general, and I just, this is broadly speaking, I mean, people are all different, but in our culture, you know, you say if you have a different opinion or if you're unhappy or if you're happy or, you know, if you agree with something, don't agree. Yes. Yeah, it's certainly something that we all need to be conscious of. And yes, it's much better to get it out there because then it can be addressed. Now, tell me, obviously, you know, setting up a uh, a business and a, a website like Community Hoster, I mean, there's obviously a selfish part of it too because, you know, you want to have people around the world that uh, can host you to participate in your dream events. So tell me, what's what's on your list of dream events around the world? I would love to do the New York Marathon. Absolutely do that. And then do one of the complete far-out ones, which I'm not even sure people live there, like <laughs> running somewhere in Alaska in the snow, doing the snow marathon or the Arctic marathon or one of those absolutely extreme ones. Oh, wow. Yeah. The more random, the better. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the New York one is incredible. And that's, yeah, which you've done. Yeah, that's an experience that I think everyone should have. You know, the way the, the city just embraces it. If you compare that to the Sydney Marathon, you know, I was, I was out supporting some friends who ran the uh, – the Sydney Marathon last year, and I think I was a, I was down near the Star Casino, so it's around the 33, 35K mark. And uh, I think I was standing there by my own clapping as people ran past, and you kind of think about where that would be in New York, and I think at that point you're probably heading up First Avenue towards um, up towards Harlem, and it is wall-to-wall noise. There are so many people out supporting. And it is just a completely different environment, the way the city embraces it. I mean, New York's not alone in that. There's uh, there's lots of the big cities that do, but New York's certainly a special one. Yeah, so all, all the footage I've seen and, and having spoken to you before about that race, it just sounds absolutely incredible. I'd also love to do one where I'm the only participant so I can win. So <laughs> if you... I can relate to that. Because <laughs> the odds of me winning a race are zero. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. yeah, maybe I should just arrange one and not tell you. Yeah, a medal stamp for one person. But, uh, yeah, working down in Adelaide, you might be able to find someone who could do that for you. Yeah, I think I should give it a go. <laughs> <laughs> one of the questions that I like to ask of people is uh, who come on the show is to put a challenge out there for our listeners. And so what that is is something that they can do over the next week to, um, you know, basically that will have a – a difference in their lives. Not, you know, if I think about um, what we've spoken about, you know, we've spoken about a few things around grit. We've spoken about kind of the generosity of the uh, the running community and how it's uh, it's so welcoming. And I suppose something along those lines, I think, would be uh, it would be something pretty special. Can you think of anything uh, you know, that you can challenge our listeners to get out there and do? Well, I can think of like forty things at this point, but the, the one that really strikes a chord with me is just reach out to someone. You know, we're in, a, we're in a society where I think so many people are so lonely. You know, despite smiles on their faces, just reach out to someone. If you see someone here at a race or you know at a triathlon or whatever it is you do with your extra time, just say hello to someone. Just reach out. Spend that few minutes longer trying to understand someone that doesn't have the same accent as you or not the same level of English. I think that would mean the world to some people. 
Yeah, it's an incredible thing, isn't it? You don't really think about it, but um, as you say, there are a lot of people who are incredibly lonely. And even, um, you know, I know, you know, where I run in Sydney, I see the, you know, often see the same faces and, um, but you don't really know the stories behind the faces. Yeah. Well, um, no, just, just reach out to people and put on the phones, just have a normal human conversation with someone and check in with them. Not via a phone? No. <laughs> <laughs> you have to scrape each other if that's the best. Yeah, you know, we rely on, on each other as people. That is the only reason I think that we are at the top of the food chain with our ability to make weapons and we can stick together in packs. You know, people need people and everyone's just trying to make it through a day. So if the next time you see someone at a running event standing on their own, especially just include that person. Oh, that's fantastic. And I think it's it's something that's very simple but very powerful as well. So um, so thank you. That's certainly something I'll make an effort to do uh, yeah, over the next couple of days. Thank you. And it's certainly um, what the people in Adelaide here have gone you know, over and beyond to make us feel welcome. And I was literally in tears when we left that morning because I, I was so overwhelmed by their kindness. And all they did was chat to us, you know, invited us to a breakfast. And it doesn't matter how the world perceives your success. We all just want to belong in a herd. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Anna, thank you. It's been fantastic talking to you. I know we've had, uh, we've had a couple of false starts where uh, both of us had to, uh, to reschedule things at different points. So it's great to finally get you on. And uh, I've really enjoyed talking to you. I'm so glad that uh, you've managed to get Community Hoster up and running now. And uh, we'll have links to that in the show notes and also to the um, at the podcast that uh, Angela Duckworth appeared on and also to her book, Grit, because I absolutely love that one as well. So thank you very much for your time, Anna. Thanks, Brent. It was really nice talking to you. And when I'm in Sydney again, I'll come pop in and we can go for a run. Oh, that would be fantastic. Cool. And if anyone wants to do a race in Adelaide, our home is open. We have furniture now. Very nice furniture. <laughs> <laughs> fantastic. That's a great <laughs> offer. Thank you for listening to The Pursuit of Life. To learn more about how Knightswood House can help you live your life of adventure whilst planning your future, visit knightswood.com.au.